Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Welcome, everybody, to the Tuesday edition of Fantasy Baseball Today. It's May 7th. Let's rock and roll. I'm Adam Azer with Chris Towers and Scott White. What's up, Scott White? Adam, how are you hey. today? I get. I think I'm pretty good. I think I'm pretty good. I think we got a fun show. You think so? Yeah. I need to check. Yeah. <laughs> Be sure. We need you today. Yeah. No. I, I feel good. I feel good. I'm excited. Uh, we got you know two pitchers who everybody was excited to pick up. They both did very well yesterday. Of course, we'll talk about them, Disclafani and Martin Perez. I know Chris is going to want to talk about Chris Paddock and any other oh, people sure. named Chris. Any other Chris's you want to talk about? Chris Klein. Uh, Chris Martin. Mm. Uh, Chris Columbo. I don't know if that's a real thing. Chris Columbus. Chris Columbus. Directed one of the Harry Potter movies, I think. Okay. Mm-hmm. Also Home Alone. Home Alone. There you go. The, yeah. Uh, another in a great lineages of Chris's going back millennia. Home Alone. I thought that was a John Hughes. He didn't direct that one. He just... John Hughes wrote, wrote it. it. It's part of the John Hughes direct. extended cinematic universe. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Uh, so usually I ask you guys who the standouts were from the previous day. But I know you're going to talk about Anthony DiScofani and Martin Perez. So I thought, why don't we just get the legitometer out and see how legit these two guys are? So Anthony DiScofani of my hometown, Scott gets to brag about, I think it's Dwight Smith who went to your high school, right? Yeah. Yeah. Dwight, Dwight Smith Jr., his dad did it, but. The one playing currently did. Well, Anthony Scafani is from Coral Springs, Florida. We didn't go to the same high school, but we're from the same town. Uh, I think I'm going to, I'm going to double check on that. <laughs> um, yes. Who's more legit? Where are they on the legitometer? Zero to 10. Scafani, um, six innings, three earned runs, eight strikeouts against San Francisco. Martin Perez, seven scoreless, nine strikeouts, 15 swinging strikes at Toronto. Scott White, legitometer for these two guys. Well, I still say Desclafani's more legit because this was kind of new in terms of Perez missing all these bats. And obviously it was a, it was a favorable matchup. It was a favorable matchup for both. But, um, you know, obviously if I picked up Perez for the two start weeks, we'll see how the second one goes. But if it's anything like this first one with the kind of run he's been on recently, I can't imagine I would be putting him back in the waiver wire pool. Uh, because he's doing things differently enough that you could see how this might be a real transformation for him. And, uh, and yeah, he's been given some length here recently. So that's exciting stuff. He, Anthony DiScafani is most certainly not from my hometown. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> he is from New Jersey. It's not, I, it's not I as interesting have... if you're from down here. Like half of baseball is from yeah. this area. Well, right? I know Anthony Rizzo is from. Like Coral Springs Park. Eric Hosmer is from Cooper City. Yeah. Martinez I, maybe I just Pepper got Pines. my Anthony's confused, but wow, I way off on that. So, uh, Chris, you want to weigh in? You were on... thinking of Newfound Glory, Adam. <laughs> yes. That's what you were thinking of. Thank you. Uh, w- w- would you like to weigh in on Discofani and Martin Perez? Sure. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to calibrate this because I do think that Anthony Discofani is probably more likely to be a better pitcher. Moving forward, but I think the apparent improvements that Martin Perez has made are more legitimate. I don't really see much of a reason when you dive into Anthony DiSclefani's, you know, pitch usage or velocity. He doesn't really look like a significantly different pitcher than he has in the past. And there have been points in the past where we've liked him, but it's more as a you know, maybe this guy can give us a high, a mid to high three ZRA and be useful, but certainly not a must start. Maybe not even a must own guy. Whereas Martin Perez has gone, I think, from legitimately worthless in fantasy to someone who, in a two star week against favorable matchups, I think he's improved enough that he's worth considering there. That's Whereas it. Whereas I'm not that's sure Desclafani has improved. Well, that's all you're willing well, to go. From- with what I've seen from Medesco Thani is he's kind of trimmed the fat in his arsenal, kind of keep 
focused in on the pitches that get the best, that have the best swing and miss potential for him, specifically the four seamer and the slider and his swinging strike rate is up, uh, you know, significantly. It's by far a career high for him so far. But his slider usage is actually down. That's yeah, the, but like he's throwing his curveball well, more, but his curveball hasn't really been okay. A so good I had the wrong pitch. So I had the wrong pitch. But you know, he's he's cut way back on the two seamer. He's stopped throwing the changeup almost entirely, and yeah, he's it's he's getting more swinging strikes as a result. Uh, okay, yeah, so, maybe the one thing, maybe the yeah. slider's a little more of a cutter. Maybe maybe that's one thing and. Martin Perez is throwing a brand new cutter that has been really good. I think he got a bunch of swinging misses uh, on his changeup last night as well. And his velocity is up two miles per hour. So when I'm looking at what has Martin Perez improved or changed, I think there's more to grab onto there with him than Descalfani. But I do think Descalfani is probably more likely to give you a useful high three ZRA. So if either of them were available in any of your leagues, would you make sure that you added Descalfani and, and Perez? Do you think they're must-own? No, they're not must-own. No, I... Depends on what the next matchup is. Well, this weekend they both have good matchups. Descalfani has the Giants again and Perez has Detroit. Next week they have tougher matchups. Descalfani has the Giants. Uh, sorry, the Dodgers. And Perez is at Seattle. I, th- I think at Seattle is not such a bad matchup. I think Seattle uh, not so good at home. I can double check on that. I think they score a lot more runs on the road. Um, I th- yeah. yeah. I think I'd rather have Perez for the next two starts, and I'm not 100% sure either one two starts from now is going to be the guy that we look at and say, oh, yeah, he needs to be on your roster. There's still a lot of risk with both. Okay. Um, I got more on the legitometer coming up. I'll talk about James McCann. He's 38% owned. Jorge Polanco. Where Jorge Polanco ranks among shortstops, he's batting 317 with six home runs. Where he ranks among shortstops might really surprise you. Uh, Nick Markakis, just doing it again. He's a top 20 outfielder like he was last year. And uh, last year he was, well, actually last year he was 30th in Roto and 12th in points. So the, Nick Markakis is someone whose value changes so much depending on format. Um, but let me get standouts from you, Scott. Anyone jumped out at you from Monday's games? So, um, let's see here. Hmm. Sounded like you were going I mean, into Vince your, Velas- uh, your butt Vince tree. Velasquez was pretty awful for a second straight start, so I'm kind of, um, kind of not like the thing about Vince Velasquez is kind of what I've been saying about Joey Lucchese. If they're going to do this thing where they don't let him pitch a third time through the order and you know, the innings are going to be suppressed and the wins potential and all of that, he, the ratios need to be very strong. And as with Joey Lucchese, that is not looking like such a, such a sure thing anymore. So, um, Velasquez might be somebody I'm willing to sacrifice. For either Desclafani or Martin Perez, uh, yeah. just trying to corner the breakout in that way. Yeah. Yeah, he was pretty, he's pretty bad. That, that was really disappointing. Um, Chris, stand out? Well, obviously the, the most promising thing we saw yesterday was Trevor Bauer only had one walk. <laughs> I think we can all agree. <laughs> Jeez, uh, man. That was the good thing. Like, I was pretty disappointed in Trevor Bauer when he gave up four runs against the Marlins, but at least he was able to, you know, get a, a decent start out of that. That was seven innings, four runs, four walks, ten strikeouts. That was last time out. This time he gets crushed. Ten hits, seven earned runs, eight runs total, one walk, seven strikeouts, two home runs allowed against the White Sox. What'd you say? I don't think it's anything. Like, I guess he ended that streak where he hadn't given up more than four earned runs. It was like 60 straight starts or something. But I, I don't think it's anything. He's really good. The peripherals are still really good. The walk rate has been up, but that well, there was only one. Enough. This one, <laughs> yeah, like no, that's that's it exactly. Only one walk today. Yeah. This is an improvement. Yeah. Uh, we should talk about Chris Paddock. He was incredible last night, and something that I was thinking. He pitched seven and two thirds innings. Uh, I think he's gone seven innings, two straight games now. Two out of three, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, six six plus and four straight. And maybe your thought is, oh, he's going to hit that innings limit. His innings limit's probably not, uh, well, I guess it depends. 
if they keep allowing him to only throw 90 to 91 pitches, yesterday was 91 pitches, it was a career high, um, and he can keep getting through six innings, then I, I don't think the innings limit's that big of a concern because they are being so judicious with his pitch counts. And, you know, maybe for Paddock that can mean that he is, I mean, he's due for some regression and maybe he can't keep it up, but... I actually I find that pretty promising. He's not going to keep up a sub two ERA, but he does look legitimately great. And um, last night was so much fun. I don't know if you guys actually watched the game, but no. he just decided because Pete Alonso won NL Rookie of the Month in April <laughs> that he was just going to embarrass Pete Alonso <laughs> and the. No, I'm serious. Like the first, I, I was looking at it through I, the first two plate appearances that Pete Alonso had thrown or had, and Chris Paddock's average fastball velocity to non-Pete Alonso hitters was like <laughs> 94.6 miles per hour, which is about where he has been. Uh, and to Pete Alonso, it was 96.9 miles per hour. He threw his two hardest pitches of the season. Both four seam fastballs up to strike Pete Alonso out in his first two plate appearances, 98. And 97.2 miles per hour. Chris Paddock is so much fun. I did not know this dude had all this in him. I didn't, I didn't know he had all this personality, all this, uh, swagger yeah, on the mound, all this competitive swag. fire. And it makes him so much more fun to yeah, watch. So, in addition so, to him being totally unhittable. I, I, I'm looking, so I didn't see this game. I watched, uh, Martin Perez. I watched some of the Yankees game, a little bit of the Red Sox game, but I was, I went to sleep early enough. I didn't watch this game. Um, but I did watch the highlights of his strikeouts. And I noticed that when he struck out, because I, I went back, I'm confirming now, because like, when you said the thing about Pete Alonso, when Chris Paddock struck out Pete Alonso in like the first inning, and now I'm looking at it again, the second time he struck him out, he got so fired up. Yeah. And I think no, those he, were the only two times he looked at his own dugout. He was like, ah, it's like going crazy. It was hilarious. Yeah, he is so much fun. And also 21 swing strikes yesterday. Okay. Okay. So let's, his four let's, Scott, let's talk about rankings with, with Chris Paddock, because you know, the innings are one thing, but the pitches, 91 was, like Chris said, a career high. He has to be so good to get to seven innings. Right now, I see you have him 45th. That's right behind Darvish, Quintana, Erman, Michaelis, and then it's Chris Paddock. Uh, is there a rankings adjustment coming? What do you think about mm-hmm. him rest of season? Yeah, I'll move him up some. Uh, and I get what Chris is saying. I also get what you're saying. Where I, I don't know that the threshold necessarily has to be seven innings with the way the rest of the league is going, but six, you want the minimum required for a quality start because it, 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 not only in some leagues does that matter in a direct way, but it also greatly improves the pitcher's win potential, which in traditional fantasy leagues, wins are still, you know, whether the pitcher wins or loses is still the most important thing in terms of whether it was a productive day for him or not. Um, so that's, uh, that's something that um, he's going to have to be like if his ERA is not going to stay in the mid ones, then that means there's going to be some inefficiency in his future. And I I am a little more skeptical that he's going to be able to last beyond like July unless there's a really deliberate effort to liber- to uh, to limit his his innings between now and then or there's an IL stint or something like that. So. I would still consider him a sell high candidate. Obviously, when when I say sell high, we're talking very high. Like maybe you can compare him with an extra outfielder or something, and get uh, and get one of those like genuinely elite arms right now, since that's what he looks like at the moment. So that's what I'd be trying to do as a paddock owner right now. All right, all right. Let's get back to the legitometer now. Here are some standouts from yesterday, and you tell me how legit they are. Zero to ten. Zero, you are not interested in owning. Ten is a must-own player. James McCann, 38% owned. Number 13 uh, catcher in points. Number 9 in Roto. But has been playing more lately, including a couple of starts at DH. James McCann, uh, 0 to 10. Chris Towers. It probably has to be a 10, right? No. Maybe an 8. What? Because there are some, like, he has to be owned in two catcher leagues. 100%. And... Are we sure he's not a top 12 catcher? 
No, but I mean, I, I am sure he has not been a good hitter in his career, <laughs> you know? Sure, but like, he's, he's crushing weird. the ball right now. He's hitting the ball really hard. Like his expected batting average is 281, expected slugging 476. It's not a ton of just good luck. Maybe he can't keep it going. Maybe there's not correct a real change in skill, but it's catcher. Like there, I, there aren't enough guys. There, there aren't. Are there 12 guys who can do a month like this? Okay, uh, well, okay, so I think it's a separate discussion. The must-own aspect agreed. The legit aspect, just talking about the performance of McCann. You know, how legit is McCann in that you're going to pick him, pick him up, but that you're going to have him in your lineup rest mm-hmm. of season, you know what I mean? I mean, five? Yeah, yeah. Like, like Chris is saying, I mean, the, the indicators aren't all, this is just lucky, there is some... At least what we normally regard as indicators of skill change. Now, there's enough of a track record of futility there that you, it's fair to question them. But skills also, like Chris is too. saying, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, we we talk a lot about like streakiness and 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 luck, but you can just be dialed in for a month. Yeah. You know, like that. That's one thing to keep in mind with those skills based indicators. All right. All right, so look, pick him up, but I, I think, you know, don't don't expect James McCann to win your league, but be aware that he's playing more lately and that he's only 38% owned and it's time to drop Danny Jansen for him. Would you drop, like, Austin Barnes for for him? Sure. Okay, for James McCann. Okay, next uh, up, Scott, you want to think about that? I want it now, but I, I especially like James, uh, Austin Barnes. Jorge Polanco. Jorge Polanco's having a really nice year. He's the number nine shortstop in points leagues, but he's number 17 in Roto. How could this be? Well, he probably profiles as a points league guy. He doesn't steal, but actually he hasn't stolen, but he can steal you some bases. Um, but good plate discipline for Polanco. Doubles, triples kind of player, but also he has, he's been really bad in two categories. No steals this year. And only 12 RBIs, which is so weird for a guy who has six home runs and a 317 batting average in one of the best lineups in baseball. Um, but he's two for 23 with runners in scoring position and bats second for the Twins. Anyway, uh, the legitometer, Scott, zero to ten on Jorge Polanco. I'll give it like a seven. I mean, there's not a league I'm in where I would let him go available. And he's always been a great line drive guy, but this year the fly ball percentage is up. The strikeouts are down. They're both, they're both really good as, you know, just in kind of like a general sense. And, you know, for as impressive as he's been percentage wise, the X Woba and the Woba are very close. Like the, the stat cast data backs up what he's doing so far. Uh, it could be. It could be another situation like with James McCann where we're like, oh, maybe he's just dialed in and it's not actual skill change. But considering he's in his mid-20s, I'm allowing I'm allowing room for it to be a genuine breakthrough for Jorge Polanco. All right, that's Jorge Polanco. Last one, we'll go to Chris for this on the Legitometer. <sighs> I, I get angry when Nick Markakis does well. I just don't want him to be good. I, don't, I, I know, it's really so mean. mean. I, I know, <laughs> I'm sorry, but he's the number 13. I don't. I'm sure you, you like it very much. Number 13 outfielder in yeah. points. He was number 12 last year. Number 18 outfielder in Roto. He was number 30 last year. This guy never steals. He has not hit more than 15 home runs since 2009. He has not stolen more than four bases since 2011. Last year, Marqueca slugged 440. That was his first year with a slugging percentage higher than 397 since 2012. Okay, Chris. Uh, zero to 10 on the legitometer for Nick Marquecas. I haven't seen a birth certificate or like a passport or anything, but I'm what, 10 out of 10 that he is Nick Marcakis. And you can yeah. take that for whatever you think it means. He's not a useless player. He's not going to keep this up. We did this last year. He was incredible for the first like three, three and a half months of the season and then fell back to earth and was kind of useless the last couple of months. I think he'll have his uses, but you're looking at a fairly thin line between a useful Nick Marcakis and a not useful Nick Marcakis, especially in a Roto League, because like you said, it's basically just a batting average, and it's a question of whether he can really be a not 331 hitter, but if he can be a 295 hitter, um, and where he bats in the lineup, he'll get some RBI. 
that's probably all you can really expect out of it. Okay. You didn't give me a number, but that's okay. It was a very good... No, I did. You did? Yeah, he's 10 out of 10 on the Nick Marquecasometer. Oh, God. The, the <laughs> Okay. Thank you. Um, he's always going to be 10 out of 10 there. Um, we got a lot more to get to. Matt Olson's coming back today. We'll talk about what we expect from him. He's actually only owned in 68% of leagues. Taking a quick break on Fantasy Baseball today. We'll come right back. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, we got two players returning today. Very excited about one of them. And then the other one's Matt Olson, who you're fairly excited about, but let's play some music. All right, Anthony Rendon should be back today. And to Matt Olson, we say... Welcome back. Mm-hmm. You are 68% owned. Number eight first baseman in points leagues last year. Number 12 in Roto. He played 162 games. And, uh, yeah, he, he's got pop. So, he had, uh, 29 home runs last year, 247 batting average. Alright, Scott, what do you expect from Matt Olson? And is his ownership level just insulting at 68%? I don't think it's insulting, especially when you consider that it's, it's the CBS ownership percentage, and there are an awful lot of points leagues in CBS leagues. Uh, that's, that's the format where I'm not totally positive I'd be able to make a spot for him, especially given that most of my points teams have a first baseman on the bench already just because there have been so many interesting players emerging at this position this year, more than enough to go around. I expect for the first four to six weeks, based on what we saw from Justin Turner last year and um, uh, Yuli Gurriel, guys coming back from the same injury, the broken hamate bone, I expect Matt Olson's power will be limited for four to six weeks. And considering that is really the only thing he brings to the table, he brings it in big doses, but that's basically it. Uh, in, in points leagues, especially, I, I don't, I don't have much incentive to activate him, like to start him right away. Roto leagues, you know, obviously there are more lineup spots to fill. It's easier to justify and uh, you don't have to worry about the strikeouts that are likely going to come with the package. So uh, that's that's yeah. my stance on Olsen. Definitely must own in categories leagues, but points leagues, I'd be... I, I, I don't know that I'd go that far with them. All right, so who would you rather have, Matt Olsen or Max Muncy? I would, I would rather have Muncy, yeah. Okay, Matt Olsen or Josh Bell? Josh Bell. Bell. Matt Olson or Dan Vogelbach? I'm going to say Vogelbach still. I'll go Olson. Max Mun- or excuse me, Matt Olson or Trey Mancini? Olson. Yeah, yeah, Olson. Okay, I was reminded of something by Chris Towers. Chris, we have one more big time welcome back to give today. It should have been number one. Welcome it should have been. Who are we welcoming back? Shohei Otani, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're not, it's not 100% sure, but he returned to the Angels, uh, and there is an expectation that if all goes well, he could be back in the lineup as early as Tuesday. Woo! And they've said he's going to face lefties. This, this could be a massive deal because as we saw last year, he is, he established himself as one of the better power hitters in baseball last season. And once he stopped pitching, he was stealing bases. There, there is, I don't need to tell anyone this, but there's significant potential with Shohei Otani. Yeah. yeah. I raised the I roof. do I do wonder cuz we did see him after after it was clear he he was done pitching, he was going to need Tommy John surgery last year. So basically all of September he played every single day at DH lefties righty. They faced a lot of lefties in September too. Um so we saw 
we we saw them willing to do this before, and he was great. September was an awesome month for him. It's just impossible to know how the rehabilitation process from Tommy John surgery is going to impact him um, f- for all the steps he'll need along the way in terms of throwing, what kind of w- what way that might impact his playing time. Uh, there, there's just no precedent for that. Like we've never seen a position player or a batter, I should say, not really a position player, uh, rehabbing as a pitcher while still playing major league games. Uh, I don't know. Obviously, the potential is exciting. He's must own all of that, but I I'm reluctant to conclude he's an everyday player right away. Or yeah, will be. I, I would expect a day off or two pretty regularly so he can get his long. But he's going to be able to get his long toss in before games. So it'll be more like maybe he gets a day off to throw a bullpen session once he gets to that point, but. You know, they're not going to like send him on a rehab assignment and have him pitching in games. Uh, you know, no, maybe, I just, yeah, I just maybe meant like Arizona like, Fall League or something. My surgically, my surgically repaired arm is tired today because I was throwing. Sure. I need the no, day off. Yeah, I, I would, but given the other options, uh, I would expect pretty consistent playing time. Okay, yeah, Scott, what a wimp you are. God, you you and your poor surgically repaired arm. Take a break, <laughs> Scott White. Just work out, Scott. Come on. Get some <laughs> of those bands. I don't know what they're called. Weighted balls. Yeah, get oh, get weighted balls and bands. All right, injuries, news, and notes. Austin Meadows could be back this weekend. Carlos Rodon might need Tommy John surgery. We already knew that, but it's been recommended by one doctor. Kevin Gosman is suspended for five games. Uh, he is appealing the suspension. You wished that he had been suspended and didn't appeal and didn't start last night because it was terrible for Gosman. <laughs> Rafael Devers had been on base 19 straight games. That streak is over. Uh, Eric Sogard, I know we don't talk about him a lot, but he had gone 41 plate appearances without a strikeout, and that was the longest active streak in baseball. That's Eric Sogard, and he actually struck out at least twice against Martin Perez yesterday, give you an idea of how well Perez was pitching. David Price is on the IL with elbow tendonitis. He says it's no big deal. He could miss one or two starts. But I think, you know, it's David Price and an elbow injury, so it's not it's not nothing here. Um, but hopefully it's just a minor thing. Uh, let's see. We got catcher news. Jan Gomes for the Nationals was uh, – he has a left forearm contusion. And Jason Castro for the Twins is day-to-day after being hit by a pitch on the foot. If those were more serious injuries, not like I'm hoping for that, but if they were, you would have more playing time for Kurt Suzuki and even more for Mitch Garver, but it seems like those are just day-to-day things. Uh, Rysel Iglesias, Chris, is not happy about being used in tie games. Um, are you concerned? This is one of the downsides of the analytic revolution, I guess, is, you know, sometimes guys are comfortable in roles, and, and in the specific case of closers not being used in save, situations it costs them money so i get being upset about that for sure uh right as far as whether i'm concerned i would hope it means that they might put him in situations he's a little happier with and a little more comfortable with and maybe it allows him to get a few more saves uh-huh all right it's rice Iglesias. leonis martin expected back today from a hamstring injury taiwan walker through four innings and in extended spring training start does anybody have Taiwan Walker stashed away. I don't think I do in any leagues. Okay, Scott and I did I, in the 16-team league, but then we cut them loose. Yeah, and I do in an NL-only league, but not. I mean, they're they're like obviously, if you have an unoccupied IL spot, you might as well fill it. But they're that I don't have in most of my leagues. I don't have an unoccupied IL spot. Okay, uh, Taiwan Walker. And last two notes: AJ Pollock out at least six weeks. And Cody Bellinger is going to play mostly right field after dislocating his shoulder at first base. We had some grand slams yesterday, so let's talk about those grand slams. And we're going to do a rookie watch in a little bit and some worryometers uh, from our emailers. But grand slams, Tommy Pham, grand slam, his fifth home run of the year. He's batting 302 with five homers and six steals. Tommy Pham is a top 20 outfielder. And Jonathan VR hit a grand slam, and he is now the number seven second baseman in both points leagues and roto leagues. And then I wanted to talk about the Denny's grand slam, just to see how you guys feel about 
that beautiful breakfast. Um, <laughs> Scott, what do you want with, with uh, Tommy Pham and Jonathan Villar? Does anything uh, jump out at you? I mean, I think those who drafted them have gotten the best case scenario from both. There was reason maybe to wonder if they were going to be their best selves, but they have been so far. And, um, you know, I'm not inclined to shop either right now. I'm happy to just sit back and enjoy the ride because we knew this was within their skill set. Okay. And then, Chris, the Denny's Grand Slam, they have a lot of Grand Slams, but the one I want to talk about mm-hmm. is the Grand Slam Slugger. I think it's appropriate for the okay. Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Uh, here's what here's what you get with the Grand Slam Slugger. You get buttermilk pancakes, eggs. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yep. Bacon mm-hmm. strips and sausage links. Sure. And this oh, is boy. served with hash browns or your choice of bread plus coffee and <laughs> with juice. The pancakes? What, what's that? Why do you eat bread with the pancakes? Oh like to- you get like toast. Well, you maybe know? yeah, toast. maybe you get like a an eggs over easy. You want to dip your toast in the yolk. Yeah, you could do that, right? And, but coffee and juice—that's a nice. That's a nice. This is a lot of stuff here. Now, I saw something. There's an asterisk asterisk on the website where at, next to eggs it says product availability. No, it says product availability may vary by location. If I went to Denny's oh. and they didn't have eggs, yeah, that's, I'm not sure. Like, where are you going that doesn't have eggs? <laughs> you would never ever. Like an, like, like, honestly, is there like an egg shortage that I, I wasn't aware of? Not at Denny's. I mean, you would never. Yeah, that's weird that the Denny's gets first pick for eggs. Yeah, right. I like, can understand maybe next to the pork products, but agreed. That is but too yeah, much. Eggs. That's too much. Um, that's too much food. Too much. Like, food? I'm not a huge breakfast guy anyway. I think like. Pancakes and syrup is dessert, not breakfast. And we yeah. should stop like kidding ourselves. We're we're a nation of children. Um, <laughs> but that's just too much food. I do like a grand slam, which I don't think I've had one in like ten years, and I don't think I've had one sober ever. But <laughs> I, I like a grand slam, which. Right, there's nothing like the big breakfast, though, man. When you uh, when you're on yeah. vacation and you wake up at like 10 a.m. and you're like, uh, I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna make time for lunch. Let's when just let's just slam down early? breakfast. Is it that early on vacation? No, that's... that that just like ruins your day. You can't move. 10 a.m. That's not that can't. early anymore, Chris. You're in your 30s. Uh, I could eat an entire grand slam. That is really not that. <laughs> it's not that much food. Buttermilk pancakes, eggs, to. bacon, and sausage. I don't know if I'd get the hash browns. Um, I'd get the toast. Hash browns I get toast. Great. Why would you not get the hash browns? I prefer carbs, guys. Why would you toast. opt for toast over hash browns? It's ridiculous. <laughs> that is ridiculous. No, I, uh, no. Toast. I, I'm sticking with that. I prefer the toast. Okay. Uh, we got three <laughs> emails that I want to read here. A lot more to get to. Fantasy baseball at cbsi.com is the email address. One more quick break on fantasy baseball today. When we come back, we are going to read about, uh, ex woba and baseball savant stuff and some advanced stats and, and, you know, and Howie Kendrick. So how about that? We'll be right back on fantasy baseball today. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Our email of the day comes from Matt in Kansas City. This is actually email of the day number one of three. How much weight do you put on things like expected batting average and ex-WOBA from Baseball Savant with guys like Jordy Mercer that are basically unowned? His expected stats are very high, but obviously Mercer doesn't have a history of much production. Is he worth a look in a real deep league? And how legit is Howie Kendrick? So there are a lot of questions here. But yeah, I think the first thing is how much uh, weight do you put into expected stats? Well, I'm so I'm starting to come around to ex woba, and I haven't, I don't have enough experience with it to have a good sense of how reliable it is. I'm just only beginning to dabble in it, but it seems like a very useful uh, shortcut stat in terms of, oh, I could weigh these five different things and try to come out with the conclusion, or I could just look at this one stat and they've done it for me. <laughs> um, it is true that Jordy Mercer's ex-WOBA is 397. Now, here's the thing about WOBA. 
for the uninitiated. It's 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 scaled like uh, like on base percentage. It's, it's weighted on base average WOBA. So it's scaled it's scaled like on base average, meaning a 400 WOBA is amazing and a 300 WOBA is terrible. Uh, so 397 is very good. His actual WOBA is 270, which is terrible, and that's closer to what we expect from Jordy Mercer. Um, I I don't really. I wonder why it is so high. His barrel percentage is unusually high, and so is his hard hit percentage. So he's made a lot of hard contact early on here, and I've noticed that does have an impact, a pretty significant impact on that number. Uh, I I see no reason to believe it's sustainable for Jordy Mercer, though, specifically. Yeah, I I think... Like ex-WOBA, ex-slug, ex-batting average, all these expected stats, and there's a whole constellation of them that, you know, take into account not just StatCast data, but the Sports Info Solutions data that you find on Fangraphs with hard hit, line drive, etc. They are, a, I think, a pretty good measure of what should have happened in the past. I'm not 100% sure that they are a great measure of what is going to happen in the future. And that's just like any other stat, you know, like we have some stats that are a little more predictive and maybe this is more predictive than batting average, uh, let's say. But as I said earlier in the podcast, skills can fluctuate too. You know, the, the example I always go with is 2017. I think when we had Yonder Alonso, Justin Smoke and Justin Bohr all had really good season and you looked under the hood, they were hitting the ball hard all these things seem to indicate that this was sustainable, but what they didn't take into account was that these guys just maybe had good years. Maybe they had made an adjustment the pitchers hadn't figured out yet, but it's just because these underlying stats suggest that something is real doesn't, ne- it's not necessarily the same thing as sustainable, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. All right, the uh, second part of this question is Howie Kendrick for real. Will he get playing time with Anthony Rendon back? Uh, I think he will the way he's hitting because I think he'll play first base as he did yesterday. But is Howie Kendrick for real? I'm going to say that if you need batting average, then yeah, then Howie Kendrick's your man. He's only 18% owned. Anybody think differently or that he's maybe even more than just batting average? No. But you do think that <sighs> Hend- Howie Kendrick could get you batting average? Yeah, I saw a really yeah. good tweet yesterday that like Howie Kendrick is going to hit 290, 330, 410 until the oceans rise and <laughs> cover all the land in the world and that sounds about right. Like that okay. that's I don't think he's a great hitter, but he's going to hit for average cuz he puts the the barrel on the ball. All right. I'm curious where he's going to play when uh, when Rendon is back, I guess maybe he could move to first base. Come That's on. where he started on I Monday. I just said that. I come on, Scott. I just uh, where, all right. Said that. Where does he play when Ryan Zimmerman's back? That's the yeah, better question. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, uh, yeah. I, I don't know long term that because you know Trey Turner will be back and I, maybe they could stick him in the outfield. Uh, all right. Email today number two is from Derek in Poseyville. Scott, thank you for your Adalberto Mondesi pick. I have him in both my leagues. You are the prognosticator of prognosticators. Oh, you are too kind, <laughs> sir. <laughs> uh, I want to bring something up. Mondesi is the number two shortstop in points, number three in Roto. The top three shortstops in Roto have a combined 21 walks to 108 strikeouts. That, remember, when, remember when plate discipline was like the most important stat for us? Uh, Javi Baez, Tim Anderson, and Adalberto Mondesi do not care about plate discipline, nor do they care about how much you care about plate discipline. And, yeah, I, yeah. I'd be a little bit surprised if that was the top three for the rest of the season. Um, but they're, they've all, especially in Roto, they all have the kind of skill set that really stands out in Roto, a, a, a format that doesn't directly care about plate discipline. Yeah, right. Not at all. All right, email of the day number three is from John in Seattle. The following guys have had dreadful starts to the year. We all had to invest high picks in these guys, and I feel all four of you on the show have understated just how big of a disappointment these players have been so far. Worryometer on the following six players. Matt Carpenter. Uh, I'll go like uh, 
three, maybe. Oh I mean, God, he's doing I... he's doing the Matt Carpenter thing where, oh, what's wrong with this guy? Oh, his ratios are great. I mean, how many years in a row is that going to happen? Buy low? Before? Buy low on Carpenter? Yeah, of course he's a buy low. Okay. Did we just get quantum leaped into every year of the last half decade? I don't know. Because I don't... I What? I think Quantum Leap was the one where, like, the guy, like, gets, like, he time travels, but it's, like, into another person's body uh-huh. in yeah. the past. And so, mm-hmm. the, do I have to explain the joke from here? Uh, no. <laughs> okay, let's go to our next guy, Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, okay, we haven't really talked about this one. He got off to a great start, but he's actually the number 17 first baseman in points leagues, number 14 in Roto, striking out a ton, 43 strikeouts in 35 games. Uh, last 11 games, Goldschmidt is batting 186 with no extra base hits, one walk, 14 strikeouts. First 24 games, he did have a 966 OPS. Uh, I, last thing to point out on Goldschmidt, he has nine home runs this year and five of them came at Miller Park. Worryometer on Paul Goldschmidt, zero to ten. Does Christian Yelich, Christian Yelich has one home run outside of Miller Park, right? Yeah. One. Well, but Paul Goldsmith, but you know Paul Goldsmith doesn't play at Miller Park, right? Like Gold and Yelich does. <laughs> well, hold on, what? Yeah, did, yes. I don't know. You oh, quantum Paul Goldsmith. Like we we did this last year. We we did. yeah. I mean, remember his stats at the end of May last year. We're only at the beginning of May, and the stats look much much better. Uh, you know he he does have a high strikeout total, but his actual K percentage is only slightly up from last year, which was a career worst. But it's it's not like it's not like it's so far out of line that there's real reason for concern there. Joey Votto. People are dropping Joey Votto, understandably. Uh, I still think it's a, a bit hasty, but 0 to 10 on the Votto worryometer. So that's more like a 5 or 6 for me. Uh, no, I'm not to the point where I drop him either, but you can understand it in shallower leagues, especially given that you can only start one maybe two first baseman in a shallower league and there are a lot out there to start so i kind of get it but at the same time like joey Votto deserves deserves such a leash and i know i know last year was disappointing too but still like the i I don't know chris help me out here how how to how to put it at this point well I have Joey Votto in our 2014 Dynasty League, and I've benched him the last two weeks for Matt Carpenter and Edwin Encarnacion, so I'm definitely not where I wanted to be on him, but I don't know. He He's still, like, may, maybe he has just lost it, and we cannot discount that possibility, but given how long the track record was, how much better even than this he was last season... Um, I I can't give up yet, but no, I, I'm fine sitting him until he figures it out. I just do think he will figure it out. I yeah, like the quality of contact is still really good, and and like we've seen Joey Vot good like back in the years where we weren't worried about him, we've seen him have stretches this long where he looks just completely incompetent at the plate, and then he ends up hitting 320 for the year. You know, yeah. so like it's it makes it that that's all the more reason to to hold out hope for him. Yeah, I, I do worry. I don't know where they're going to hit him all year, but he mostly leads off now. I think he batted second yesterday. They had Senzel leading off against a lefty. I do worry about RBIs with him, so just keep that in mind. Like, you want a first baseman to drive in runs. Joey Votto has six R- six RBIs in 33 games. This is an unbelievable stat. Uh, I just, so, so keep that in mind. I, I Wait, think I, that's kind of myopic. No, I think if he's going to lead off, then but he'll score runs. Okay, so fine, but just understand, like, if you, if you are weak in RBIs and you're like, well, I'm gonna buy low on Joey Votto, he might not help sure. you in RBIs this year. I'm just pointing it out. Um, uh, we got a lot more, so, uh, Jose Altuve, zero to ten. Go ahead, quick. Two, but there are some concerning signs in his batted ball profile. He's hitting a ton of infield fly balls, pop-ups. which are different than pop-ups. <laughs> um, <laughs> there, there's not, like, for the most part, he still looks pretty good. He's hitting the ball, actually, in terms of his hard hit percentage, harder than he has in the past. Uh, there's just some inconsistency in his batted ball profile. Maybe, you know, he's, uh, I, we could look into the data and see maybe he's struggling with a specific type of pitch or something 
specific in the strike zone. But again, another guy, Altuve, who is hitting the ball hard enough that I'm, I believe he'll figure it out. Yeah, just, I hope he starts running. And Scott, sure. I'll skip Travis yeah. Shaw and just go to you on Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant, believe it or not, is the number seven third baseman in points leagues. His plate discipline is so good. Uh, number 17 in Roto. He has seven walks in his last six games. He's a home run in two straight games. Zero to ten on Chris Bryant. Yeah, he looks like he's starting to come out of it a bit. So that, that lowers it. Uh, you know, he may have been a five before that for me because of the power production. Well, obviously it was a problem last year and two years ago it, it was even then. Uh, but that was like a three. Okay. Time for, that's Chris Bryant. Time for the rookie watch. I'm going to try to speed through the rest of the show so we can get to uh, some topics, read some more emails, maybe get some team name Tuesday going here. Uh, good rookies and bad rookies. Here's the good. Nick Senzel. He is four for 17 with three home runs, four walks, five strikeouts in four games. Senzel was batted second, sixth, fifth, and first in four games. Uh, Chris Paddock. Unbelievable start yesterday. We talked about him. Pete Alonso, I got him in the good, but it, you know, it is worth noting that he's, he's been struggling a little bit. He leads all first basemen in strikeouts. Pete Alonso, fantasy points by a week. 42 in week one. That was a long week. Uh, you know, that was the opening day week. It was like a 10 or 11 day week. 42 fantasy points, 27, 22, 18, and 9. Uh, that was last week. Michael Chavis is also one of the good rookies. So Senzel, Paddock, Alonzo, and Chavis, I've got them in the good rookie category. Who's uh, who's the best? Who's your favorite of this four? Senzel, Paddock, Alonzo, and Chavis. Scott? I'm still going to go with Alonzo, uh, who I think is not anybody I'd ever consider sitting, even at a deep position. And yeah, strikeouts are something I often worry about. I think that's where the ex-WOBA stat has helped me most determined how much I should really be concerned about a player's strikeout rate because that's always been difficult to reconcile with everything else. And he has overachieved according to ex-WOBA, but the ex-WOBA is still really high. So uh, yeah, I, I still think Alonzo is, is great. Okay, what, what do you think about Senzel, double-dong yesterday? I mean, so far so good. He yeah. should have four home runs, frankly. Yeah, right. Because yeah, he got robbed taken, one. Right. Uh, so that's, yeah, I'd, if I own him, I'd be happy and who, who would see you, what comes next. Who would you rather own, Nick Senzel or, or Chris Paddock? Or like, like if you were drafting, Paddock. okay, you, you'd draft Paddock first if you were redrafting today. Yeah, I mean, harder to find what, what he does. Right. That and okay. it's been four or five games for Senzel. Yeah, four. Uh, all right, let's go to Chris for the bad rookies. Couple of nationals. Carter Keyboom, 55% owned, uh, 128 batting average, two homers, no steals, four walks, 16 strikeouts in 11 games. Keyboom's been bad. Victor Robles, I mean, in Roto, he's fine. He's, he's the number 16 outfielder. He's stealing bases. He's been pretty awesome for Roto. Yeah, eight eight steals, very good. Um, six home runs, pretty good too. But in points leagues, gosh, it, it, and and not just in points leagues, but just five walks of forty one strikeouts. I know that doesn't show up in Roto, but it might be something that tells you he's he's it might be a, might be a warning oh, sign. Might be a warning sign. He's overachieved sign. so far. Yeah, he's overachieved and pretty drastically. He's according the number... to Woba versus X Woba. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but that that's one that's gonna be hard to account for. Speed. They don't. They don't really account for running speed in that, as far as I know. Um, and he's going to have a higher Babbitt than you would expect because of that. Um, no, I'm not. I'm not particularly worried about Victor Robles. He's kind of doing pretty close to the best case scenario of what I hoped he would. Maybe I would have hoped the average was a little higher, but he's got some pop, which we had hoped he would. He's stealing bases. He's doing it efficiently. And he's not going to hit at the top of the lineup, so that's going to keep his counting stats low. But I think he's a must-start guy in Roto, obviously. Um, even if he ends up hitting 240, I think he's a must-start guy in Roto because he's on a 30-30 pace. The homers are slowed down a little bit, but I still think he can get to 20. And I think he's an easy 30-steal guy. So maybe in, in head-to-head points, he's a little fringier, but you probably 
should have known that coming in, and I would hope that he wasn't you know, being drafted around 100th overall in points like he was in Roto. But I, I, I have no real concerns about him. All right, that's Robles. So then with Keyboom, with Nate Lowe, who's been eh, not so good, um, and Cole Tucker, are you wanting to be patient with them? Carter Keyboom, Nate Lowe, Cole Tucker, or are you okay cutting them loose? Well, Tucker, I don't really have much interest in at all, so I'm fine cutting him loose. Uh, Keyboom, it's easier to be patient with the low because it goes back to the first base has so many interesting options, too many players to go around. Even when he got called up, it was like, okay, I kind of like Nate Lowe, but where am I going to fit him on my roster? So, uh, he needs, he needs to show real signs of, of, com- of breaking through, I think, to be, Anything close to close to must own for me, and it's worth pointing out. Yesterday was his most productive game so far, but there, there just hasn't been enough yet. And Kiboom, the the concerning thing is, I had hoped there would there was an opportunity for him to just hit so well, like Juan Soto last year when Juan Soto got called up, and we we're like, well, he's a really good prospect, or Cody Bellinger a couple of years ago. Well, really good prospect, but we don't know if he's going to play every day. We don't know if this is just a two-week thing in the majors, and those guys just hit so well that they force the issue. I thought Carter Keboom had an opportunity to do that, so when Trey Turner came back, maybe he just took Brian Dozier's job, but so far he's looked like a guy who has you know, limited exposure to the upper minors. So you know, maybe he's not long for the majors once Trey Turner's healthy. And what do you think about Vlad right now, guys? Made a second error yesterday. He's got four walks, ten strikeouts in nine games. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is batting 152. Yeah, I'm just, I, it, I would have rather him get off to a great start, but I think he's owed the patience based on both your investment in him and the caliber of prospect we think he is. Buy low. Yes. Okay. That's all I have to say about Vladimir Guerrero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't right. say anything before that for a reason. Give him give him some time. I mentioned this we did the Sunday video show and you know, I mentioned that Alex Bregman, George Springer, awful starts to their career. And they turned it around and they were really good after that. And Brandon Mike Lau, Trout was Mike Trout was unplayable at the start of his career. Well, but that was like one season, right? And then Right, but no, but that's what I'm saying, is maybe maybe it just doesn't happen for Vladimir Guerrero, but you bet on the talent, and this is yeah, yeah, yeah. one of the best prospect talents we've seen in a long time. Right. All right, so give it some time with Vlad. Don't lose faith. Is there any uh, pitcher that you need to talk about from yesterday? Scherzer, Bauer, Cole, Snell. Ooh, Walker Bueller. Big start for him. DeGrom, they were all in action. Um, that's rotation part one. I think, okay, we're gonna we're fine with Bauer. Scherzer's got one win, but he has eight walks to 72 strikeouts. Holy cow. Yeah, um, he's been awesome. I think we expect Garrett Cole's ERA to, to normalize. He's given up more runs than you'd expect, but 15 walks of 74 strikeouts. Amazing. Um, Blake Snell said he made some adjustments. He's back on track. Jacob DeGrom, two good ones in a row. But Walker Bueller, Scott White, maybe his best start of the year. Does this mean anything to you mm-hmm. going forward? Yeah, I mean, it means something. Obviously, he had been... He had not, uh, what is it? How many qualities? This was his second quality start of the year. So yeah. he had been bringing you down if you've had him in your lineup. It'd be hard to take him out of your lineup just given your level of investment in him. But, uh, I wasn't so concerned that he wouldn't come around. It felt like a situation where he came into the season rusty because the Dodgers were so preoccupied with limiting his innings this spring. Uh, he was throwing as hard as usual, though. Uh, so, you know, it it didn't seem like a situation where the stuff was diminished or there was any anything to worry about health wise. Um, so I'm hopeful he's coming around here. I, I think he will, too. It just it's just a shame because, you know, the innings are going to be limited to some extent. And he's kind of wasted some at the beginning of the year by not being effective with them. The only thing I will say, and, and this has been, I think, a, a recurring issue for him so far, he still doesn't seem to have the feel for his secondary pitches. And that's not shocking, given that he barely pitched in spring training. But even last night in a good start uh, against a tough matchup, 
he only threw 23 pitches that were not fastballs. Uh, he had his fastball was incredible. His four seamer, he got 10 swinging strikes on 75 pitches and 20 called strikes. Um, but he's not going to be the guy we wanted him to be until he gets the feel for those secondaries. And I think it's coming, but you know, he's got a five pitch arsenal. So it could take uh, a little while for it to click still. Okay. I'm going through team name Tuesday right now. <laughs> it is bad. I mean, it, this is. Oh, that means it's. Oh, that's good. saying something. That's it, saying something. This is man. a really bad week. Yeah, look, no more panic at the discos. No more Joe panic at the Frisco's. No more Chris Paddock at the disco. Uh, well, there's a really good one. What? Panic at Chance Cisco. No That's more. We've heard it. We've heard yeah. all of the panics and, and all of the, the discos and Frisco's. Uh, <laughs> whoa, Piscotti, fam and lamb. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's very good. That's... All right, we finally <laughs> discovered a good one. We got That's an extremely one good one. Uh, yeah. Okay, so we also have Reyes, Reyes and Means, like Jacob Beans, who pitched yesterday, by the way. Uh, I don't know what that's supposed like to be. Like ways and means. Oh, like ways and means. Yeah, okay. very political okay. humor. Love, love a congressional subcommittee reference. Acuna, Acuna Moncada, Waka Wonderful Freeze. Not terrible. Okay. Haters gonna hate. Haters gonna hate. Sure. <laughs> show may oat money. Like Otada show oat. Oh, no, God. that's a Heath team. Man. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, Shohei Yasmani. Shohei Yasmani is not bad. I'm sorry, Luke Jackson. I am Fran Meal. That's, that's good. That's okay. solid. The Trevor ending story. We've had that one. This one I is, like that one. Yeah. this one is tough. Vladimir. Okay. Vlad in quotes. Vladimir Putin it over the fence. Yeah, that's topical. Yeah. Love when we get geopolitical. Natural born Kellas. <laughs> Actually, that's not bad. Yeah, that's a good one. And, uh, Vlad News Berrios. Or yeah. Berrios. Yeah. Vlad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hey, what do you think about John Means, by the way? Seven innings against Oof. the Red Sox? I'm, I'm not totally disinterested. He throws a lot of, well, he, he's done a good job limiting walks and the changeup seems like it can be a standout pitch for him. Uh, it's not like he was missing a lot of bats yesterday, though, and in, in putting together that good start. So I, I'm not, I'm not rushing to pick him up, but I'm, I'm keeping a close eye on him still. All right, I'm gonna clean out the inbox a little bit here. Just go through what's already come into the show inbox uh, since we started the show. This is from Jake. He needs catcher help. Astudio being out is killing me. I picked up Wellington Castillo. He just gets benched. Um, should I pick yes. up Josh Fegley? Or are there any sleeper catchers that should be on my radar? There are no sleeper catchers. Get out of here. <laughs> Fegley, though, is better than Castillo, yes. Okay, what about James McCann or Fegley? McCann. I would go McCann, yep. Um, with Vlad Jr. and Eloy Jimenez underachieving and Nick Senzel and Pete Alonso coming in hot, how would you rank the rookies for the rest of the year between Senzel, Vlad, Eloy, Alonso, Robles, and Tatis? Who are your three favorites? I'll read you the names again. This is an email from Matt. Um, Vlad, Senzel, Eloy, Alonzo, Robles, Tatis. Vlad, Alonzo, Tatis. Vlad, Alonzo. Yeah, I guess Tatis over Robles. This is from Anthony. I need to drop a starting pitcher. Who do I drop? Tyler Skaggs, John Gray, or you, Darvish? I drop Skaggs. I guess. Uh, this is I guess we're, Darvish yeah. is. Ugh. Yeah, I, I I I fear that the answer to that question should be Darvish, but yeah, I'm not gonna drop him yet. Uh, I'll play scared. Twelve team points league. Should I drop Kike Hernandez for Van Meter, Gutierrez, Jake Bowers? Yes. It's fine. Is well, holding on to the bad pitcher playing scared? Seems like it's playing brave. Well, yeah, no, it's it's playing scared because you're afraid of getting rid of the bad pitcher who was good two years ago. Yeah, but, I mean, he's been good other than a terrible, terrible walk rate this year, I would argue. I don't think... <laughs> the results, I mean... I don't know if that's true. He's I been think bad. the more accurate way of saying it is he's been awful, except he's still getting strikeouts. Kind of feel that way about um, Darvish. But, 
in what ways has he been awful? Basically just allowing runs. Yeah, getting runs. Yeah, yeah. Getting runs. But it's mostly because of the walks, which are terrible. He's giving up 2.2 home runs per nine. Yeah, it's not He's just the walks. Rocked. Like, yeah. Darvish has been crap. Uh, look, you can drop Kike Hernandez, I think, but not for Van Meter. He hasn't started a game yet. For Calvin Gutierrez or Jake Bowers, would you do that? Yeah, for Bauer, sure. He's he's showing some signs of, of heating up a little bit. Yeah, Sink mostly single. It's just taking one flyer. Okay. Uh, all right, that's it for the show. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening. We'll be back on Wednesday with the Worryometer. It's going to be a Creeth and Adam show. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Baseball Today. Today.